0: This episode brought to you by Audible, and today you can receive a free audiobook and thirty-day free trial by visiting audibletrialcom Sports. Listen to your audiobook anywhere, anytime. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted, built, and inspired
1: by the role of sports in their lives. Here's your host,
0: Here's your host Richmond Weaver. What time is it? This is episode 63. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever platform that might be. And thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen. One major misconception today at any level of sports is this perception that highly trained athletes can't or don't excel academically or intellectually. Our guest this episode, Sam Ocho, quickly dispels that theory. Sam recently signed a two-year extension playing outside linebacker for the Chicago Bears and was a team MVP his senior season in 2010 at the University of Texas playing for Mac Brown, where he also earned the William V. Campbell Trophy, given annually to college football's top scholar athlete, as well as the Warfel Trophy, college football's premier award, for outstanding community service. And the Sporting News named Sam one of the top 20 smartest athletes in all of sports. A fourth round selection by the Arizona Cardinals in the 2011 NFL Draft, he also earned his MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management in 2015. And now, episode 63 with Sam Ocho. Well, Sam, thanks so much for your time, sir. And As we get to learn more about your journey and how sports helped mold you into the man that you are today as a football player, humanitarian, public speaker, and probably most importantly, a committed Christian. But now you're also joining the world of podcasting, finishing up your first season helping host Relevant is doing a sports podcast. So how did that all come about?
1: Yeah, well, how it all came about is somewhat of a longer story, but Uh, The podcast in particular, I guess I'll start with with, uh, just the whole journey. You know, it's funny as you were saying, you know, NFL player, humanitarian, public speaker, I'm like, dude, this is exactly what I, like, I prayed and hoped and committed Christian, right? Like, this is like, this is what I want to do. And so um, a lot of the reason I started doing this podcast was uh, I'm co-hosting it with a guy named Steve Carter, who's actually the pastor of Willow Creek Church. It's lead teaching pastor at Willow Creek. And I mean, he's just a Great man, and, and honestly, he's a mentor. And I got a chance to speak at Willow Super Bowl last year. And Stephen and I got had dinner, and he just said, "Hey Sam, like, here's some stuff that I'm that he, here's some stuff that he was planning, right?" And I was like, "Dude, that sounds awesome." And he asked me about my heart. I said, "Dude, I love talking, encouraging people. Obviously, sports is there." And so he told me about this podcast that he's trying to start up with Relevant Magazine, and he invited me to be part of it. And I said I would love to. And so it's been great. We just finished up our first season. On a little bit of a hiatus now because uh, I got a little bit busy with work and, and Steve got busy, and so we're we're taking a break and gonna. Uh, the plan is to come back with some live episodes in the future. So that's been great.
0: That's awesome. So when can we expect the quote unquote season two? Then
1: I know I got I got to do like the TV people and keep season two a surprise <laughs> uh, to keep, keep to keep people waiting. That's what I learned. You know, I feel like I used to watch the TV show Scandal all the, all the time, and I was I was I recorded it actually, and I watched it and then. Season one, I didn't have to wait, and I wait and wait
0: until season two. I'm going to keep everybody waiting. <laughs> I love it. Good. <laughs> Anticipation. That will draw interest and keep people clamoring for more. Right. Now, you mentioned when I described your football player, humanitarian, public speaker, and committed Christian, that that's what you, that's what you wanted to be basically when you grew up. So is that your dream to be you know all of these things and an NFL player?
1: Well, no, Richmond, the the dream actually kind of grew and that dream kind of started to develop in college, actually. So right around 2009 for me, which is my junior year, right before then, I got a chance to just learn more about leadership and goals. And people talk about these big, hairy, audacious goals. And I wrote a couple down and, and some of those, some of the goals on that list was number one, to, uh, to be a follower of Jesus, right? We use the term committed Christian. And I think the word Christian, at least in America, has somewhat been co-opted. Uh, just There's so many racial divides within the church, and even a, almost like a church that's just tamed, right? The church that just comes to consume and consume, as opposed to being the hands and feet of Jesus. And so I'm on this journey of learning more and more of how I can study the Word of God and really be the hands and feet of Jesus. So number one, to be a follower of Christ was the first thing, right? Like to follow Jesus wholeheartedly and lead people to Him. And then secondly, I had this, this dream of making it to the NFL. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't a dream that I had when I was younger. When I was a kid, I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was, we were in sports, football, basketball, track, the whole deal, doing school as well. Well, so I got a chance to get a scholarship to the University of Texas after getting found out or discovered by accidentally showing up at this football camp at USC. So a little bit of background on that. My younger brother was a huge football and still is he works for ESPN now just sports commentary and we were in high school and you he heard about this football camp that was at usc and mind you this is 0405 usc is winning national championships going through their dynasty
0: yeah this is their dominance period
1: right during their dominant period we had friends in california wanted to go to the camp we said okay let's go check it out show up to the camp What we didn't realize was it was an invite only camp <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't invited uh, we definitely weren't invited it was it was their top 300 camp. This is goes to Show, the, the providence of God. It was their top 300 camp where we they're inviting the top high school players from California, and we just happened to show up. And how they didn't kick us out of that door was is a miracle to me. I'm, we're bigger guys. so They probably saw the two of us and said, hey, you guys, you know, give it a shot. And so <laughs> and so we went to this camp, and, and that's what I got, quote, unquote, discovered Pete Carroll watched me do some one-on-one drills and, and called me up to his office later on and said, and told me that they were interested in offering me a scholarship, and so that kind of got the ball rolling.
0: But now you had been playing, obviously, football in high school at this point, though, is it correct?
1: Right, I had been playing in high school. I started playing in, in sixth grade, and I just played because my brother played, and and even though he's my younger brother, he was he was playing, and he was a running back, and he was scoring touchdowns, getting all this love, and I was like, I want that. I wanted the the the, the cheering and the, the <laughs> accolades. You know, he was scoring six, seven touchdowns a game, and I, I felt like I could do the same thing. Well, what I, I didn't realize is that I was, I was too big to play running back. I was about 200 pounds in the fifth grade, and so, or sixth grade, and so they forced me to play offensive line, which anyone who, who knows football, it's the least loved position. The only time you get noticed is when you make a mistake, holding, uh, chop block, personal foul. And so that was my position my first year playing football, and I hated it. I absolutely hated it, wanted to quit and thankfully I didn't, and I started playing at my in junior high and in high school, and so I show up at this camp. They tell me, Pete Carroll tells me, hey, we love what you did. We're really interested in offering you a scholarship, but here's the deal. This is our Top 300 camp. This is part one of the camp. This is the beginning, the beginning of the summer. He said part two of this camp is in about two months from now, at the end of the summer. So this camp was in late May. The part two is going to be in, in early July, and he said, so we're going to check it. Take a look at those athletes, and we'll give you a call and let you know if the scholarship's available. I said, Coach, sounds great, but here's the deal. In about two weeks from now, I'll be going to Nigeria on a medical mission trip. My parents started this medical ministry called Living Hope Christian Ministries, where we would go to Nigeria every summer with doctors and nurses and surgeons and dentists, ophthalmologists and pharmacists and pediatricians, and we'd do medical, uh, get free medical care. And I was 17 at the time. The first year I went on this trip, I was 15 years old. And so this is my second or third time going. So I said, hey, coach, in about two weeks, I'll be out of the country with no phone service. So if you call and and I don't pick up, it's not because I don't like you. It's because I just have no service. (laughs) So he says, oh, Sam, don't worry. We'll we'll be in touch, right? So he says we'll be in touch. Well, lo and behold, two weeks later, I'm in the airport and my phone rings. And it's a California area code. And and I pick up and it's Ken Norton Jr., who's the recruiting coordinator at USC. Hey, Coach Norton, how you doing? This is Sam. Hey, Sam, how you doing? I got some great news for you. We want to officially offer you a scholarship to the University of Southern California. And I said, oh, my gosh, wow, this is unbelievable coach. Thank you so much. I, I was, I, I, I'm honored. And he said, well, that's great news, Sam. I'm glad you're excited. So now what we need you to do is we need you to verbally commit. We need you to tell Co- He said, Coach Carroll is right next to me. I'm going to give him the phone, and, and all you have to do is say, Coach, I want to be a Trojan. And I said, "Well, Coach, how did the process work?" And I, I had all these questions. Sam, no time. Here's Coach Carroll. <laughs> so he gives Coach Carroll the phone, and we start. Yeah, we start talking and talking and how things going, doing good on the getting on the plane, whatever. And so finally, after about five or so minutes of us talking, Coach Carroll says, and I'm, I'm assuming on the other on the other end, he's looking at Ken Norris Jr. saying, "Did you tell him what he has to say?" Right? Because I hadn't said anything.
0: So finally.
1: <laughs> Coach Carroll said, "Well, Sam, is there anything you you want to say?" And I stand there in the airport, and and I say, "Well, Coach, I would love the opportunity to one day consider the potential of maybe being something like a Trojan." Coach, I got to go; the plane's taking off, and I hang up. (laughs) I mean, it was like, and I and at that point, at that point, Rich, when I thought my dreams were shattered, I my dream school, my only offer. I had turned down because I didn't want to verbally commit, and I thought my dreams were sh- shattered. What I didn't know was that God was working in the background. I get on the plane. We do this medical mission work in Nigeria. I come back, and mind you, my phone was off, right? No service. Come back, to 50 missed calls, 30-something missed messages from all the coaches from all around the country. What had happened in that two-week interim is that teams, people had found out that I would gotten offered by USC, number one, and number two, my coach had put my highlight tape on Rivals. Rivals is a recruiting website that people used to get noticed and discovered. And so those two things happened and my whole world changed. And so at that point, God opened up the door to football by giving me these offers. But he also showed me that my success isn't going to happen by just being on the football field. My success is going to happen by serving him.
0: Yes. He had all of that happening for you while you were serving.
1: Exactly. So in a place where I couldn't worry, I remember I wanted to worry and stress and telling my dad what did I do this is worst decision ever he said son, and he was he was upset at 1st not gonna lie he said what would you do <laughs> So I don't know I couldn't commit I couldn't commit and and he so I'm freaking out on the plane he said, son don't worry about it like your life's gonna go on we're here to serve so let's focus on serving so I kind of forgot about it and just kept on serving and serving and next thing you know the door opened up and and I came back to all these offers.
0: So then what was it about Texas that made you finally commit and actually sign to play at Texas?
1: Well, I'm from Dallas. And so my hope and my thought was that at least Texas would offer. I had had offers from all the other schools, OU and Oklahoma State and Iowa. You know, all, all these schools had offered me, but Texas still hadn't offered me. And I thought once – I you know, God had been working on me as far as confidence goes, because I, I just figured, well, Texas just beat USC in the national championship. And so maybe I'm good enough for USC, but I'm not good enough for Texas. That literally was going through my mind. And my dad and not some of the guys who who recruit for the University of Texas. They knew my dad because they went to the same church we went to in, in, in South Dallas, in Oak Cliff, in Oak Cliff. And so finally, he asked one of the guys he said, what's going on? I got my son's got all these offers from all these schools. What are you all waiting on? Well, what I found out was that Coach Brown, Matt Brown, the head coach of Texas, who just got inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame, he was on vacation. And when Coach Brown is on vacation, you do not disturb Coach Brown on vacation. And so while all this, these other schools were reaching out, all the other coaches were, weren't were in a position or, or or weren't they were scared to call Coach Brown because it's his vacation. He only has a week or two, give him his week. And so my dad said, hey... The, guy, the guy's name was Coach Chambers, or tight ends coach, and recruiting coordinator for South Dallas. He said, Coach Chambers, if, if, if Texas doesn't offer, Sam's either going to go to USC, Stanford, or Virginia. Those are my top three schools. So you need to figure something out. So then Coach Chambers says, don't worry. He somewhat sheepishly calls Coach Brown and says, hey, Coach. And Coach says, Bruce. Bruce is the guy's first name. Bruce, this better be good. He says, well, Coach, I got this guy. His name is Sam. He's from Dallas. He's got a bunch of offers. He's really good. He's getting ready to go somewhere else. Can I send you his highlight tape so we can we can at least let him know we're interested? Coach says, yes. They send over his highlight tape. He sees it. He's impressed. He, we schedule a visit, and, then I, go and I, then I go and I visit the University of Texas. And the difference between Texas and all the other schools, not only was it close and there was a family atmosphere, but also they were one of the few schools, the few big marquee schools that didn't pressure me to commit. So if you remember earlier in the story, USC was saying I needed to commit. And I wasn't ready to do that. And a lot of of other schools did the same thing. I wasn't ready to do that. And so Texas was the one school that said, Sam, our bad. We dropped the ball. So here's the deal. Take as much time as you need. We're not going to press you. We're not going to stress you. We would love for you to come to Texas, but we realize that we're late, late to the party. So take as much time as you need and, and, and we'd love, we'd love for you to be part of the team. And as soon as, as soon as they said that, I instantly said yes, because that's the type of environment I wanted to be a part of.
0: Now, had you been a Texas fan growing up? I actually was
1: not. I wasn't a big,
0: number one, I wasn't a big football fan. I was just, I'd watch college football,
1: Richmond, and I would say, this isn't realistic. I could never do this. Like, it's, it's not going to happen. And even Texas in particular, I would watch Texas. And they were winning so many games. I was like, first of all, these guys are huge and they're scary and a bunch of these guys are, are, seemed super cocky. It was just, I was like, I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't really, I, I was always rooting for the underdog, and Texas was rarely the underdog. So I wasn't even a big football fan, nor was I a Texas fan, until I went to the school and everything changed.
0: So did you have a fear that you were going to be good enough to play once you actually got to Texas?
1: It wasn't even a fear, it was more of a doubt. I didn't think, I didn't even, football wasn't in my plans, or my dreams. I wanted to, go to maybe an Ivy League school, maybe go, I didn't know anything about business, maybe study business or marketing or advertising or something. And so when I got a scholarship, I was a three-star recruit. And Texas, you figure everything, everyone's a five-star and a four-star at the worst. And I remember going to campus and seeing all these guys who big and strong, and I didn't think I'd be able to do it. But little by little, God continued just to build up my confidence and show me that this is what he had for me, even to a point where my first play of college First play of college, we were, it was my it was the second game of the season. We were playing TCU. Andy Dalton was a starting quarterback. I was supposed to redshirt that season because they knew I needed to grow and they knew I needed time to mature and, and let my body fill out. But what had happened was I was playing defensive end, and one of our defensive ends had been suspended. Another guy had an injury, so he was out for the first three weeks. And then another yet another guy hurt himself in that very game. And so we're looking for a guy to get in the game. And Coach Oscar Drows is my defensive ends coach. He turns and before the game, he had told me, "Sam, you're not going to play. Don't even bring your helmet out there because <laughs> don't don't get any ideas. You're not going to play." So I mean, I, I brought my helmet because everyone else brought their helmet. <laughs> well, it's the second quarter. The second quarter of the game, Brian Arapo, our star outside linebacker, defensive end, gets hurt. Coach looks around. He looks at me and says, "Acho, Acho, get in the game." I run to find my helmet because I didn't know where my helmet was. <laughs> I run to find my helmet. I throw it on. I get in the game, and my very first play, I get a sack on Andy Dalton. And it, it, it And I, I. I was forward. I was speechless. Speechless. I was jumping up and down. People still make fun of my 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 celebration because it was just I was all over the place like a wild goose, <laughs> just running up and down.
0: And you, you didn't get an unsportsmanlike penalty for celebrating that sack, did you? No, I didn't. I didn't. And even if I
1: would, I would have taken it because I was so excited. And so I'm jumping up and down. I'm so pumped. I'm the man. I just made the play. It was second down, right? So I was going to go for third down, get the sack. All of a sudden, Coach is like, Ocho, Ocho, get off the field. And I'm like looking around like, you can't be talking to me. I, I got the sack. I'm the man. No, no, get off. I get off the field. I said, Coach, what happened? I just got a sack that's good, right? He says, Sam, you weren't supposed to be in the game. I said, Coach, you told me to go in the game. He says, I know, I know, I messed up. Coach Brown wanted you to red shirt. You're not supposed to be in the game. <laughs> and so that was the beginning of my, of my college career. And so, but yeah, but, but it was just moments like that, Richmond, that every single moment, every single step, God showed me, hey, Sam, I've got you. Don't worry, I got you. And so that was the story of my career. And so little by little, even even my third, my, till my third year in college, so at this point, Brian Rappo, our outside linebacker, defensive end guy, graduated. And he was he was a first-round pick. I think he was 10th overall. And all of a sudden, me, this freshman or sophomore who hadn't really played it all, the coach meets with me and says, Sam, you know everything that Rapp did? I want you to do that now. That's your job. That's your position.
0: And so I'm like, what? And God just opened the door and paved the way. And you obviously have a great career and the team is really good your junior year making it to the national championship game against Alabama and how different would that game have been if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt
1: well I think I talked to every
0: I talked to I even talked to guys who played
1: at Alabama I remember talking to them after after the game or even guys when we going into the draft or years after and even they in my opinion and they said it right maybe they disagree now but even they said man if Colt would have played. We would have lost. That they know. They know they would have lost. And so I think the game would have been way different if Colt would have played. But I also think it gave Colt a great opportunity to glorify God in the process. He had huge success, massive success, and and at this at this moment where he gets injured and out for the game, out for the season, and all of a sudden he says, "I don't know why this happened. I don't know what's going on. But all I know is this: on the crisis, Solid Rock, I stand." And so this. Yeah, he, hurt, he got hurt and all this and all that, but this injury gave him
0: the opportunity to go God. Of course, there's always a door that opens up when you think one is closing.
1: Right, right. And so, yeah, of course, I would have loved to have won the game and loved to be a part of that, but it was just cool to uh, see his response in the midst
0: of this turmoil. Did that strengthen your faith, seeing somebody like that, or how was your faith at that point in your career or in your life? Well, my, my faith was... I mean, I was in college, so I thought I was believing. I thought I
1: had strong faith, but in all reality, I was still trying to figure it out, to be quite honest. And so, I don't know, that really strengthened my faith
0: just to know that somebody
1: could be in such a like, on top of the world. And then all of a sudden, things shatter, yet he's still okay.
0: Of course. And then at that point, does that when you really started putting efforts into, okay, I'm going to go for this dream of being an NFL player now?
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't, as I mentioned earlier, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't seem realistic until so right around my junior year when, one, this coach said, Sam, this is what I want you to do. But secondly, I, a mentor, I had a mentor who came into my life, a guy who was supposed to be in friends with my dad, and he was actually the team doctor for the Washington Redskins. So different teams have different team doctors. He's one of their team doctors, and he, and he knew my dad. And So we just had a conversation one time. He said, Sam, you have all the abilities to, to make it to the NFL. So you're just as big and strong and fast and smart as any player that I ever spent any time with. But the only difference between you and the, only difference, and the difference between you and them is that all these guys who've made it, each each of them to a man, they all believe they could make it. And you don't. That's the only thing that separates you two. And it was true. He said, he said, he said, Sam. Like these guys, they believed to a certain extent of they would change the way that they 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 trained. they would train even harder because they knew they were gonna make it. they would change the way that they eat. they would eat certain things and not eat certain things so they knew they had to prepare their bodies for the next level even 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 t- something as simple as the water that they drank they they would make sure they have their to have their own water. they didn't want any tainted substance or any tainted anything that could get that could that could hinder them from making it to the next level. and so he said, you just got to start believing. And so after that conversation, even though I didn't tell anybody on the outside that I was going to make it, I knew that I was going to make it.
0: Now, you played with Arizona coming out of Texas, and then now you just signed another two-year deal with the Chicago Bears. So how different have the two locker rooms been?
1: Uh, I would say they're extremely different. My time in Arizona, at least, at least i say the last two years, my last two years versus my first year. years, so I think the best way to compare. Last two years in Arizona, we were 10 to 6, 11 to 5, and everyone thought they were the best player in the world. Everyone thought they should have been in the Pro Bowl. Everyone thought they were <laughs> they were just the best. Even our third string safety felt like he should have been starting. And they actually got a pretty big deal to go to to go to, uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Whereas my first two years in Chicago was almost the opposite. It was, it was a, and mind you, the, the team had been struggling. I think the 32nd de- rated defense the year, the year before I got there, and then 31st the year before that. And so I got there, it seemed like these guys were on I mean, the exact opposite end of the spectrum. So from a group of guys who believe they're the best to a group of guys who said, man, I, really, I mean, I had guys who said, man, I not know if I'm even that good. And I was sitting there like, where am I, guys? You're like you're in the NFL, you know? And so um, but a lot of that's changed. A lot of that's changed in, in the time here. Guys are realizing their worth and their value and how good they can be. And I think a lot of, the, a lot of that has to do with coaching as well, having coaches who can instill value in you and in and, and, – and, and believe in you. I think that plays that a big part as well.
0: And so, speaking of when you signed with the Bears, was there a thought for you exploring other teams?
1: Well, in all reality, I wanted to stay in Arizona my whole career cause everyone that said, you're going to retire Cardinals, ownership left you, the coaches left you, and you did great. But I had an injury in 2013 that kind of derailed that whole dream. And so, my prayer for free agency was, I, my prayer was, I pretty much said, God, I just want a place where. I have an opportunity to play. Number one. Number two, I want to, I want an opportunity to make an impact off the field. And then lastly, I wanted good weather. And so two out of three is not bad. Uh two <laughs> out of three isn't bad, but uh, and actually the last three the last three winners have been relatively mild for Chicago. So so yeah, I wasn't really I didn't really care where I went. I just wanted an opportunity to play. Uh, you know, I had been in a place where I started almost my whole career, and then after an injury I came and I lost the starting spot and, and coaches almost lost value in me. It seemed like even my teammates didn't see my worth, quote-unquote, and it hurt. And so I just wanted a place where I could go and play and show people what I could do. And and also, I know that, once again, going back to that humanitarian piece, it's more than just football. I wanted to go to a place where I could make an impact off the field, and Chicago was been just that.
0: When you suffered that injury, and it was a broken leg, mm-hmm. was there doubt, did it ever creep in, that you would actually make it back to playing again?
1: Crazy enough, there was never any doubt that I would ever make it back to playing. I just wanted to know from God what he wanted me to do with that. injury Cause I know there's a deal, there have been plenty of times where I could have been hurt in practice and games, broken ankles, broken knee. I hurt a uh, t- torn MCL. I plenty times times where I should have been hurt. yet for some reason it was never as bad as, as it seemed. And for some reason, this day of this game, God decided that that was the game that that fall was going to actually be a break. And that break turned into a broken fibula, and that took me out for the season. So my question was just, God, what do you want me to do with this? And, and what do you want to show me? And what he showed me is that I don't have to stand on football to give him glory. He showed me that football is a tool, and it's great, and it's a, it's a job, and enjoy and make the most of it. But it's not the only thing. He, shows me, he showed me that I'm so much more than a football player. So I give, and he did that by giving me opportunities to, to speak, to work on my speaking. That's where that last piece comes in, the, the, the public speaker. He gave me opportunities to speak. Uh, I did a show with Channel 12 News in Arizona called Sam in the City, where after I got hurt, I called up a local station. I said, hey, run my leg. I'm out for the season. Most guys, when they get hurt, they disappear. That's what happens. The ship set sail. Most guys, they disappear, and they go to rehab, or whatever, and they're sad. I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my rehab. I'm going to do my work, but I'm not going to waste my suffering. I'm going to I'm gonna suffer with the city. So I'm going to be going to homeless shelters and schools with kids, kids with autism and and." hospitals and so on and so forth let me know if you want to bring a camera and they said yes and so that turned into this segment where not only not only did we go and suffer with the city but we saw the cool parts about the city of Arizona they know that most professional athletes never get to see because you should come here for a season and you play and you practice so I said I want to explore and so we, we turned to a, a, a weekly segment called Sam in the City on, on channel 12 news and that turned into a, a show that I got a chance to do my last year in Arizona Called the Sam Achua Show, which was a weekly TV show that was broadcasted online, and and it was like God just showed me that He had so many so many more plans for me outside of football.
0: And do you think TV is in your future after you're done playing? I, I couldn't say that. I know. I mean, one thing I I love doing is encouraging people. So
1: like, any way I can encourage people, whether it's I love encouraging people, and I love being on camera. So uh, <laughs> put those two together what I can just encourage people,
0: if, if it's TV, great, if it's something different, then great. Now, you also got your MBA from the Thunderbird School of Global Management, uh, now I, I think part of uh, Arizona State. So education is obviously very important to you. And with that, how do you feel about CTE right now? And is that something that you think about on a daily basis when you're out there playing?
1: Yeah, so as far as the CTE conversation goes, whether you care about education or not, I think that, that it's a factor. And it's important to you, and so I think the biggest thing for me is that it's it's it just added another factor to weigh in. When you decide to play football, you know you're gonna have aches pains and pains. You know you're gonna be in the public eye, and so you weigh that and you say, is it worth it? Well, now you got to add this mental health factor. You, there's a question of, man, is my what, what's what is my brain gonna look like 20, 30, 40, 50 years down the line, and so. Uh, the way I see it, as long as God still has me feeling good and still says this where, where I need to be then I'm going to keep on playing as long as, as long as I still enjoy it and and enjoy the relationships shifts and enjoy it and love the game, love playing, I'm, I'm going to keep on doing it and as
0: soon as that love and joy goes away then I'll do something else. And what are you most passionate about outside of football?
1: Like I said earlier, I love encouraging people. I love, honestly, I love letting people know about Jesus any way I can and so, whether it's by living it or by talking about it and so, just like to curse people and lift them up and let them know about there's more to life than just what we have today, which is fame and acclaim and money and power. Any way I can do that, that's what I want to do.
0: And then obviously continuing with the humanitarian, I would presume with the Living Hope Ministries. And so where does that stand now?
1: Yeah, so it's with the humanitarian piece. With that ministry 15 and whatever it was years ago that I went on that trip for the first time. Well, now we're actually able to open up a medical center, a living home medical center in, in a village in Nigeria that's open year-round. So now we've a Nigerian doctor and nursing people getting help year-round. And so the ministry's going great and it's really growing. God is
0: unbelievably faithful in that. That's great. Well, I've been involved in several mission trips by donating medical equipment. Now, I haven't been yet, and that's on my bucket list to do. My wife and I have talked about it, but I have been involved in at least helping with the medical devices for surgeries that you're talking about. And I imagine you guys are involved in plenty of surgeries when you're over there.
1: Definitely. And we'll have to
0: talk offline, even if you can't
1: come over it. If you got some stuff, ways to support that'd be great. That'd be I great. do.
0: Yes, I'd love to, to help you out and be involved with that. Now, f- finishing up here, Sam, at the end of the day, sports impacts a lot of people and what it can do to their lives. So what is it about sports that you love the most?
1: What I love the most about sports is that you get a chance to be on a team with people from tons of different backgrounds. And you're around each other nonstop, doing life together. And you get a chance to accomplish a, a common goal. And it's not just the accomplishing the common goal part that I really enjoy, but it's the part that we get a chance to interact with people you never would have interacted with otherwise. Whether you're a white guy from Florida or you're a black guy from Chicago or whatever, uh, you interact with people who you may not have ever seen. And you get a chance to do life with them.
0: And you love encouraging people, as you have mentioned. So, what words of wisdom? That you would like to share that has been a lot to you in your life. It has to be a Bible verse, yeah. Hebrews eleven one, Hebrews eleven six talks about and then Jeremiah twenty-nine thirteen, just
1: two things. One, faith. And faith, which is Hebrews eleven one, it says the faith is a substance of substance of things for poor evidence of things not seen. And then verse six says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So number one, believing, right? Having faith. And then once you believe, trust by like trusting God in his word. So in Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And so I think a lot of people they want to find God and want to find what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. And he pretty much says, if you seek me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. But well, you got to seek me wholeheartedly. And so anyways, I'll just say to anybody who's doubting or confused, seek God wholeheartedly and, and you'll find him.
0: Well said, sir. And Sam, I can't thank you enough for your time and looking forward to the upcoming season with the Chicago Bears. Awesome. Thanks so much, Richmond. It's obvious that being one-dimensional isn't a part of Sam's DNA as it's evident that he's not defined by one aspect in his life and that's being an athlete. And many times for athletes, they are solely defined by the sport that they play. While he has many more years left in his playing career in the NFL, I think we have all learned that he's also preparing himself for whatever the future holds to ensure success in his next chapter. Now that finishes episode 63. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone.
1: You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any
0: episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at RichTakesports. Thanks for listening.